Welcome to Pushback, I'm Aaron Mate. In less than one week, Israel has attacked three other states, Syria, Iraq, and Lebanon. The bombing in Iraq reportedly targeted the Popular Mobilization Forces, or PMF, an Iranian-aligned militia. Israel also bombed Syria, killing members of the Lebanese group Hezbollah. And in Lebanon, an Israeli drone carrying explosives crashed into a building housing a Hezbollah media center. Israeli warplanes also reportedly bombed a base belonging to the PFLP, another Hezbollah ally in Lebanon. Israel claims that it's acting to stop Iran and its allies from carrying out attacks. But there's an obvious question here. Is Israel trying to prevent attacks from Iran and its allies, or is it trying to provoke one? Rania Kalik is an independent journalist, a host for In The Now, and a co-host of the podcast, Unauthorized Disclosure. Welcome, Rania Kalik, to Pushback. So Israel says that it is carrying out these attacks to deter Iran, to prevent Iran from carrying out attacks. Uh, and that uh, line seems to have been uh, accepted here in the U.S. I want to read you a quote, for example, from the Washington Post. Uh, they call these attacks by Israel, quote, a significant escalation of Israeli efforts to contain the expansion of Iranian influence in the region, unquote. Rania, what is your take on what Israel is doing here? I mean, the framing of this entire thing is insane. You have Israel, a country that has bombed three of its neighbors, has bombed three of its neighbors in less than a week, and some of them more than once. Uh, and the entire framing by the Western press is, well, Israel's responding to Iranian expansionism, or Israel's trying to uh, you know, decrease Iranian expansionism or push back against it. I mean, it's a complete whitewash of euphemism. What's happening here is, first of all, Israel's playing a very, very dangerous game by bombing all these countries across the region, basically saying that it reserves the right to bomb what it perceives as Iran or Iranian-affiliated anywhere, anytime. This is a very dangerous development because what that means is that Israel can just bomb wherever it wants across the region, claim Iran was there, and it's okay. Uh, and what's also dangerous about this is that you have the U.S. encouraging it. Uh, Mike Pompeo openly said, you know, we def you know, we we support Israel's right to do what it did in Syria. Um, and, you know, they haven't said much about what happened in Iraq, but there's a lot of speculation that the U.S. was encouraging Israel to hit Iraq or, or at least for sure the U.S. greenlit that attack because there's, I mean, the U.S. is in Iraq. There's absolutely no way Israel would bomb anything in Iraq without first getting a nod of approval from the U.S. So it's a very dangerous game because at some point, these forces that Israel's hitting are going to have to respond. Israel has bombed Syria hundreds and hundreds of times uh, in, since the civil war in Syria started. Uh, Israel, I mean, Syria hasn't really responded. Hezbollah hasn't really responded. But at some point, you can only do this so many times before these groups are forced to respond, if anything, to not be humiliated in front of their constituencies. Um, and what's also important here is I think that Israel really does believe uh, that it's targeting Iran in all of these places. It, I mean, it isn't. Um, Israel has this view, this like delusion, and it's had it for a long time, of this Iranian Shia crescent, where Iran is transporting weapons to Hezbollah via the Iraqi PMF, which is how Israel, uh, you know, justifies what it's doing, is that we're stopping uh, like Iran and we're, we're hitting weapons caches that we're going to go to Hezbollah. In Syria, they see the same thing. You know, we were... Uh, you know, hitting Hezbollah in Syria and Iran in Syria so that they can't attack Israel. But the fact of the matter is 
that this is completely imaginary. Iran is in Syria to help the Syrian government defeat Sunni extremists. Hezbollah is in Syria not to attack Israel, but has been in Syria to help the Syrian government defeat Sunni extremists, whether they be Al-Qaeda, ISIS, or various allied jihadist uh, militias. And that's what they're doing in Syria now. The two Hezbollah fighters who were targeted by Israel and killed in Syria were there as, you know, be, as part of like the Shia paramilitary helping to train the Syrian army in its fight against jihadists. So this is like this imaginary like delusion that Israel has, but at the end of the day, Israel's just creating what it's scared of because it's uniting these different forces ultimately against Israel because Israel's getting in their way and keeps attacking them. And so by Israel thinking that all these forces are like Iranian backed and united against Israel, eventually they're going to be. So I wanna ask you about some of the patterns in these attacks. Israel is bombing allies of Iran, that's obvious, the PMF in Iraq, Hezbollah, and also the Syrian government. But in the process, it's also bombing forces that have been instrumental in the defeat of ISIS and Al-Qaeda throughout the region. And there is a history here of Israel taking actions that actually strengthen these groups in the region. And this is something that is discussed in uh, the book by our colleague Max Blumenthal, The Management of Savagery. So I want to read you a couple of quotes uh, from that book where he uh, illustrates this dynamic. So uh, in the book, uh, Max quotes Ephraim Imbar, who is the director of the uh, Begin Sadat Center for Strategic Studies, a right-wing think tank in Israel that is very influential and linked to the Likud party. So Max writes this quote. He says, in an op-ed entitled, The Destruction of Islamic State is a Strategic Mistake, Inbar argued the West should seek the further weakening of Islamic State, but not its destruction. Instead, he insisted, it should exploit ISIS as a useful tool in the fight against Israel's true enemy, Iran and its proxy Hezbollah, which operates on Israeli frontiers in southern Lebanon. A weak Islamic State is counterintuitively preferable to a destroyed Islamic State, Imbar concluded. Imbar went on to argue for prolonging the conflict in Syria for as long as possible on the grounds that extended sectarian bloodshed would produce positive change. And Max Blumenthal goes on to write, As bracing as it might have been, Imbar's argument provided, provided a perfect distillation of the Israeli government's position on the Syrian civil war. In Syria, if the choice is between Iran and the Islamic State, I choose the Islamic State, Israel's former defense minister, Moshe Yaalon, bluntly stated in 2016. So that's from Max Blumenthal's The Management of Savagery. Rania Kalik, I'm wondering if you see these latest attacks by Israel in Iraq, in Syria, and in Lebanon as a part of that pattern, uh, part of a pattern of going after the forces that have been effective in fighting the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda? So we know from, the, from various statements by Israeli officials throughout the years um, that Israel has been supportive of the idea of basically allowing ISIS and Al-Qaeda to exist, uh, especially in Syria or even in Iraq, they don't mind it so much because they see, because the, the number one enemy of ISIS, Al-Qaeda and these other Sunni extremist groups are basically Shias. They see Iran as their biggest enemy. They see Hezbollah as their enemy, as well as like, you know, the, the Syrian government, which Israel also doesn't like. So it's kind of like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. On top of that, 
We know that Israel has been supplying certain Al-Qaeda-linked groups uh, in the Golan Heights over the years with weapons, um, giving them medical treatment in Israel in some cases. So we know this has been happening. And of course, the strategy on Israel's part is the enemy of my enemy, right? If we strengthen the enemy of our enemy, uh, then it's great. We keep our enemy, Iran, and all these Shia militias that we hate so much busy fighting ISIS, which is trying to, you know, genocide Shias. Uh, so that's been like the strategic view of Israel. At this point, though, I mean, ISIS doesn't really pose so much of a threat in Iraq anymore. There's still little pockets, but for the most part, it's been defeated. Um, and in Syria, I mean, ISIS has mostly been defeated, and you still have these uh, these extremist groups in Idlib. Uh, that is basically like the the what the what the Syrian government and its um, allies like Iran and Hezbollah are uh, are you know basically focused on eliminating now. So I don't think it's so much Israel trying to strengthen ISIS and Al Qaeda and jihadist groups that are fighting um, Hezbollah and Iran and Syria. I think it's more that Israel really does believe that they're like hitting Iranian. They, they really believe that Hezbollah is in Syria to hurt Israel, which is like so ironic because that's not the case. Like Hezbollah is in Syria to fight Sunni extremists. And if anything, a lot of these groups, whether it be the popular mobilization forces in Iraq, for sure, as well as Hezbollah, um, they actually see their primary um, enemy at the moment. Obviously, they don't like Israel, especially Hezbollah. Hezbollah always sees Israel as an existential threat. But the more urgent threat has been, for a number of years, Sunni extremist groups. And that's what they've been focused on. So it really is an Israeli delusion. Now, the question becomes, why is the U.S. greenlighting all of this? What does the U.S. have to gain, particularly in Iraq? Because what's so surprising about Iraq is, I mean, there's no way, whether, no matter how delusional Israel is, a base in Iraq controlled by the Iraqi army that has a warehouse controlled by the PMF does not pose a threat to Israel. And there is absolutely no evidence that there actually are weapons transfers happening as the Israelis and sometimes Americans have claimed via the PMF uh, through Syria to Hezbollah. So the question becomes, what does the U.S. have to gain from this? Um, and so, I mean, there's a number of, you can, we can speculate, we really don't know, we can speculate there's a number of theories, but one of the theories is that, you know, you have neocons in the Trump administration that actually want to create a wedge between the U.S. and the Iraqis, because that's what this is doing ultimately. This is creating a wedge between the U.S. and the Iraqis, um, because a lot of these neocons feel that Iraq is basically owned by Iran, that's how they see it. Iraq is very close to Iran, and so they see Iraq and being in Iraq as actually like a liability. To, the, to their new project of wanting to do war on Iran. So um, that, I mean, it's just one theory, but it really is a good question is what does the US have to gain? Uh, because like I said, there's absolutely no way the Israelis can target areas of Iraq without getting approval from the US. So you're speaking to us from Lebanon. What is the reaction to all of this? I mean, here in the West, it's sort of taken as normal and as being, um, uh, sort of justified by definition that Israel can just bomb neighboring states at will. How has this, be, this been taken in the actual region? I mean, everyone's really scared because, you know, it's like what Israel and the U.S. do in this part of the world. Every little move they make, every little act of aggression makes everyone hold their breath. Imagine like being that way. Imagine being in a country where like what a country like America that's on the other side of the world does 
makes you wonder what your tomorrow is gonna look like. That's how it is for Iraqis and Syrians and people in Lebanon. Is it's scary because the idea, I mean, this region has you know been in chaos and at war, and a lot of it has been because of the actions of the Israelis or Americans. And so every time these two behave in an aggressive way, like everyone's on edge. And it's funny because like in this region, it's breaking news, it's headline news, obviously, but in America, no one's talking about this. It's actually kind of stunning. Israel's bombed three countries and no one really cares or notices. There's like a couple articles here and there sort of justifying it, but that's it. But for the people who live in this region, it's like it's like a horror, it's, it's scary, it's a nightmare. I mean, every other week, every week, some Israeli official threatens to bomb Lebanon back to the Stone Age. Like every other week, imagine your neighbor threatening. And I mean, Israel's the one who always likes to talk about, oh, our neighbors want to kill us. But in Lebanon, literally this neighbor of yours that is armed with nukes, the U.S. arms to the teeth to the tune of $3.8 billion a year, every single week, one of their officials threatens to wipe you off the map, wipe your country off the map and take you back to the Stone Age. So when this kind of stuff happens, it terrifies everyone, whether they support Hezbollah or not. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, and it's not just when it comes to Israel threatening Lebanon. It's not just a threat uh, that is being that carries resonance in terms of its prospects for what it could do in the future. There's a historical backdrop to it, where you had Israel invading Lebanon in 1982 in a bid to destroy Palestinian nationalism, uh, staying there for many years, killing tens of thousands of people, uh, increasing the sec- internal sectarian divide, and all that again is is forgotten in the discussion that we have about Lebanon and Israel today. But let me ask you, Rania, on this. Uh, you had uh, the leader of Hezbollah, Nasrallah, he made a speech yesterday. Uh, what to you was the main takeaway of what he said, and, and what do you anticipate Hezbollah might do in response to uh, Israel flying this explosive-laden drone uh, into Lebanon and it crashing into one of Hezbollah's buildings? I mean, what Hassan Nasrallah said is that uh, from now on, they re- they will respond by shooting down Israeli drones, um, and they're threatening a response against Israel and saying, you know, Israelis be prepared. Uh, the rhetoric of Hassan Nasrallah's speech was very much like, um, you know, we've had enough, and I think he was expressing the sentiments of people on the ground because they have had enough. I mean, Israel has had a free hand to just bomb and kill, and at some point. Um, whether you know whether it's just bluster or not, we'll see. But those are words that need to be spoken to a constituency that is sick of being humiliated, and that's what Israel's doing. Is they're just like they're like poking these different they're poking these different countries. They're poking these different forces, and they're hitting them and attacking them and provoking a response. That's what they're trying to do, and what they're I mean they're all they're also trying to demonstrate that hey we can do whatever we want. And there are no consequences. And so at some point, to be taken seriously, especially among their constituency, Iran, the PMF, Syria, Hezbollah, at some point, they are going to be pushed into a corner where they have no choice to respond. And that's when it gets really scary. Because as we know, um, whether it's, you know, obviously all of these states have a right to respond, have a right to defend themselves, but that's not how the rest of the world sees it. And if Hezbollah were to respond or Iran were to respond, then that would be you know, justification in the eyes of the West for Israel to go crazy. 
Um, and that's definitely what we don't want to see because, and I don't, I mean, they don't want a war. Like Iran doesn't want a war. Hezbollah doesn't want a war. I'm not even so sure Israel wants a war. I think there's maybe a split within the Israeli government about that because Israel, it wouldn't be easy for Israel that like these, these groups like Hezbollah, um, they have the ability to exact a toll on Israelis that Israel doesn't want to happen. But at the same time, you know, if you keep poking and you keep attacking, you're laying the ground for a war to take place. And, you know, uh, under the Trump administration, Israel can do whatever it wants and, in fact, is being encouraged to do this. So you have, like, the U.S. and Israel, the two biggest bullies in the region, um, basically trying to start a war. It's a really scary situation. Ronnie Akalik, independent journalist, host at In The Now, co-host of the podcast, Unauthorized Disclosure, speaking to us from Beirut. Thanks very much. Thanks, Aaron.